0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message.
1: We based this series off a book called Mission Drift, written by a Christian businessman. We're not teaching the book, but I love the concept, and I wanted to just use the concept. So, the guy that wrote it, his name's Peter Greer, and here's one of his quotes Without careful attention, faith based organizations will inevitably drift from their founding mission. So we start here, churches, any faith-based organization, and we just drift and our mission changes without us even knowing it. It's just called Mission Drift. Now, last week I gave you a cool example with the YMCA and how they drifted. I talked about how pawn shops started out as a Christian thing. As a matter of fact, um, St. Nick was what they were based on, that's who we now call Santa Claus, but he was a bishop in the church, he really existed. Really generous guy. And the Franciscan monks, based off of his generosity, started pawn shops. Well, they, they've really drifted since then, too. And I, want, I wanted to save the, the, the most incredible story, in my opinion, for today, a mission drift. It has to do with a university in America. This university is 383 years old as of this year. And here is their opening mission. This was their original mission statement. It reads like this to be plainly instructed and consider well that the main end of your life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ. You can tell that was written 383 years ago by, just by how they wrote it. But what university is this? It's one of the most famous in the world. It's Harvard University, guys. And you see the Latin word veritas, which means truth, but their original logos had Christo and Ecclesia right there with veritas which means Christ and the church. They were not a Bible school. They weren't a Christian college for theology, but they were a college that started with the main goal of not only academics, but also making sure people grew in Christ. Now, they have shifted since then. Still an incredible university, but they've shifted from their original mission. Uh, When they were 300 or When they were 350 years old, they had this guy, from a historian from John Hopkins University come in. That would have been 33 years ago. And they wanted him to assess Harvard. So he gave them his assessment. And, and here's one of his assessments. He said, Harvard is 100% godless. God cannot be found anywhere in this college. And that's interesting when you think of where they started and where they drifted to. Mission drift just happens if you don't stay on it. You know when they were 100 years old, 283 years ago, they were 100, uh, some of their professors were so upset with them, do you know what they did? They split off, and they started a university that would go back on mission. They were off mission when they were just 100 years old, and that university was Yale University, and Yale now has drifted like Harvard, and it's also godless. Again, I'm not saying they're bad universities. I'm just saying they drifted from their original purpose. They're in actually incredible universities, very difficult to get into. So uh, that's why Hebrews 2.1 says this, guys, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. And this is written to us Christians, it's written to pastors, it's written to churches. And it is so easy for us to drift off mission. Jesus gave every church a mission, and it's so, so simple to drift from it, Former President Reagan said this. He said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And I believe churches getting off their mission are never further away than just one generation. So that's why as pastors have to say, this is the mission, this is where we're going as a church, but also this is where God wants you to go as a person. So last week, my big idea was we are found people who find people. And that we used the Great Commission where Jesus said, go into all the world, share the gospel. If you weren't with us, we had a, a lot of fun. My son Joe teases me, because I always say, it was an awesome message. There was a lot of chatter in the lobby, and he just teases me about that, that <laughs> phrase. But guys, it was, and I talked about the four different personality types in sharing Jesus with people. 85% of you fit in one, but you're trying to be part of that 15%. And once you see it, it just takes all the pressure off you when it comes to helping with that Great Commission. We're gonna talk about the second part of the Great Commission, Jesus gave, uh, going to all the world first, but just before he ascended into heaven, he gave the second one. And this is our big idea. I, I put it into the big idea today. I want you to walk out understanding this more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. We turn the found into followers. The founder are people that accept Christ. We wanna turn them into followers, which is somebody that passionately follows Jesus or becomes one of his disciples. So I've had the privilege this August will be 36 years that I've pastored Believers Church. We started, Gina and I, we came out of Bible school, started Believers 1983. We're hitting 36 years. And if you were to ask me what, what's brought you the greatest joy being Pastor Joe, pastoring believers, I would say there's two things. They're equal. Watching people accept Christ and watching Christians become followers. There's nothing that brings me more joy. And so I've done everything in my power to keep us on mission, but You know, just time itself causes you to drift, so you have to keep reminding yourself. And I love to see Christians that are on mission. It's so exciting to watch a Christian that's on mission. So here's the great commission, the second part, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Did you notice how water baptism's in both commissions? This one was first, one was 40 days later, this one was 40 days later just before Jesus ascended. The heart of God is for us to be water baptized after we accept Jesus. So we live in a culture where in Protestant and Catholic churches, we're baptized as babies. And then later on in life somewhere, we meet Jesus, we accept him. And a lot of people say, "Well, I was already water baptized. Uh, I encourage you to keep those certificates. I still have mine from when I was water baptized as a baby, but your life will change drastically after you accept Jesus if you you obey what he asked you to do, and you become water baptized. We're doing one in two weeks. I encourage you to hook up right after Easter, weekend after Easter. Now, back to verse 19. Therefore go and make disciples. The word disciple simply means a pupil, if you look at the Greek word. In Bible days, there were pupils or students that were pupils of the rabbis, and they had this term which simply means Walking, which, which was walking in the dust of the rabbis. And all that meant was that you were a disciple or a pupil and you follow the rabbi so close that as he walked, the dust from his sandals got onto your sandals. Now the rabbi were to follow is Jesus. He's the one and only rabbi now, right? And he wants you to follow him so closely that his dust gets on your shoes. And how is it that you and I follow Jesus? We follow him by just finding out what he had to say in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And also the epistles, Romans through Revelation, they just amplify it. We find out what he says and we put it into practice in our lives. Uh, Our number one heart and goal, my goal is bring you to Christ and then help you become a disciple. Listen to how he says it in verse 20, uh, 20. He says, and teaching them to obey everything I have Commanded you. There's finding out what he says and putting it into the practice. So that's why I teach the way I do. That's why I get on all the subjects I get onto. That's why if you come to believers, you're going to feel a little bit of a push, a little bit of a stretch to follow Jesus and to to live the way he asked you to live. And if I don't do that, this church will become a Christian club. We'll do Christian things. But we really won't have a passion and we won't be changing lives. And it just Christian clubs die and they dwindle. We, we don't want that. Some whole denominations have become Christian clubs. And I'm not getting on anyone's case. I'm just saying you have to keep pushing the mission, the mission, the mission. So there's three principles that you and I have to work in our life in order to become disciples and grow as disciples of Jesus and I just want to remind us all of them. So many of you know them. Just to remind you, I find myself drifting in all three categories at times, and I have to make sure I get back. The third one is the toughest one for me. Maybe it will be the toughest one for you. But here's the first one: Disciples live to please Jesus. The one you love the most, you will please. and if you're going to be a disciple, you live to please him. And so I was just, you know, thinking about some stories or something I could share about pleasing and I found this thing on the internet, it blew my mind. There's a new store in Manhattan, and it's a one of a kind, brand new, never has been a store like it, they're kinda satellite, They're, they're testing it. And it's a store where a single woman can go in and literally find a husband. Literally find her husband in a store. So you walk into the first level, and there's nothing there, but there's an elevator. You get on the elevator, and there's six floors. And you stop at floor one, and if you walk out, you can't get back on the elevator. That's the, the group or type of husband you're gonna have. But if you go up to floor two, you can't come back to floor one. If you go to floor four, you can't come back to floor three, two, and one. So this reporter thought, I'm gonna experience this. She just broke up with her boyfriend. So she gets on the elevator. She's kind of recording it all, right? And it goes up to the floor, first floor and the door opens, and here's what it reads. Floor one, a big sign. These men have jobs. <laughs> and she's like, that's better than my ex-boyfriend. She almost walked out, but he said, no, there's still five floors. So she pushes floor two, the door opens, and here's what the sign reads. These men have jobs and love kids. So that was kind of tempting, but she said, ah, it's got to be better ones. So she pushes floor three, the door opens. These men have jobs, love kids, and are extremely good looking. So now she's like, should I go out? If I go out, I can't get back on. And then she just thought, you know what? There's still three more floors. So she pushes floor four, the door opens, and here's what it says, these men have jobs, love kids, are extremely good looking, and help with the housework. It's like, <laughs> does it get better than that? I don't know if it can get better than that, but she's just like, nope, nope, I want that. She pushes floor five, the door opens, here's what it says, these men have jobs, love kids, are extremely good looking, help with the housework, and have a strong romantic streak. She's like, whoa, that's really amazing. She goes, "Snish) There's one more floor, so she pushes floor six. The sign reads, you are visitors 7,548,652 on this floor. There are no men on this floor. This floor only exists as proof that women are impossible (laughs) to please. (laughs) I want you to know. I was just minding my own business on the internet, and I just said stories about pleasing, and, and I saw this joke, and I laughed out loud. I'm all by myself laughing, so I ran it by Gina. I said, honey, would this be offensive if I shared this? And she laughed her head off, and then she said, you know what, Joe? None of the women at Believers, including myself, fit into that category. So she said, you can share it, you can share it. Can we give it up for, that's just a great joke. (laughs) I still laugh every time I say it. Here's how Jesus put it, Luke 14, 26. Those who come to me, Cannot be my disciple unless they love me more than they love father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and themselves as well. The the one you love the most is the one you will please. Now these are the closest relationships in your life. Your parents, your children, your mate, even your own self, your own desires. So here's what Jesus said. We are to love ourselves, we're to love our parents, we're we're to honor them, love them, we're to love our mate, we're to love our siblings our kids. So he's not telling us not to love them, but listen to what he's saying. You have to love me more than them. And here's what happens when you and I decide to follow Jesus. Some of the people closest to us may not like the fact that we're following him and you may have some pushback. Doesn't always happen. Sometimes they're a Christian and they're excited that you're doing it. But I know when I began to follow Jesus, I had a ton of pushback from people very close to me and they were very upset that I start going to another church. They were very upset that I began to read my Bible and follow my Bible. And I have noticed no matter where you're at in God, sometimes there's always a close relationship that isn't happy with the direction you're going. So what can they do if, if, you, if you're not living to please Jesus and you love them, you're supposed to love them, you'll please the one you love the most. It's just like if you wanted me to do something and Gina wanted me to do something else, I'm gonna do what she wants. You, 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 you live to please the one you love the most. But if Gina wanted me to do something that the Bible says I shouldn't do, I'm always gonna go with Jesus. And that's when you sit someone down, you look them in the eyes and say, man, I really love you. I'll always love you. I'll be as good as I can to you, but I have to follow what Jesus said. And if the devil can cause someone close to you to get you from following Jesus, he's one because he's already lost. If you accepted Jesus, you're going to heaven, and he's kind of upset about that. But now, what, at least what he can do is neutralize you and stop you from being a follower. So the first thing you'll do is try to use people closest to you, and then here's the second principle. Disciples follow Jesus, so we already talked about that. But there's something you have to do if you're gonna keep following Jesus, and here's how, here's how uh, the Bible says it, Luke 14, 27. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. So we want to talk about the cross. But I got to thinking about following Jesus. And it just means find out what he said, put it into practice, right? And then I thought about Twitter. You know how people follow people on Twitter, they want to hear what they tweet? And I thought, who's the most famous person on Twitter that folks are following? And so I went and, you know, did a search. I found out, do you know the most famous person on Twitter that's, being followed is Katie Perry, and she has 107 million followers. That's a lot of followers. Now, Katie Perry, her parents went to the same Bible school I did. They passed a church very similar to this. She was the worship leader when she was young, and then she just walked away from God, totally walked away from God. But you know, people want to hear, what does she have to say? You know who's second? Uh, former President Obama, he has 105 million, uh, 309. Thousand followers. He's just, you know, just less than 2 million away from Katie. You know who's number three? Justin Bieber. He's third with 105,187,000. And you know, Judas Smith, if you know who he is, he's supposed to be Justin's pastor and he's discipling Justin. So I'm excited about Justin doing what Jesus teaches and just becoming a disciple. So I thought, how about LeBron? LeBron has 42 million followers, not as many as these three, but he has 42 million more than I do, so he's doing really good. Um, But I want you to think about this. Nobody has more followers than Jesus, guys. And Jesus' tweets are in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's tweeted and tweeted and tweeted. It's in the, the epistles, Romans, all the way to Revelation. So Jesus has all these tweets. He's telling us his opinion on every area of life. And most of us are following him, right? We're following him, and it's a good thing. Now, here's the difference between Jesus and all the ones I mentioned. He's generational. People have been following Jesus for 2,000 years. 100 years from now, no one will even remember who Katy Perry is. They're not going to be following these people because they won't be on the earth. They'll still be following Jesus if he doesn't come back. So his tweets are the most powerful. They're the most amazing. So to follow him means we just want to see, hey, what did you tweet? I want to put it into practice, but Jesus talked about what's, what's stopping people from doing that. One more time, Luke 14, 27. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Luke 9 says this way it says, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and follow me. So we want to just talk about picking the cross up because it's really important to understand what that means. Some of you, your kids might be giving you a hard time and you might say, they're my cross to bear, right? And some of you, your parents are ornery, so you're saying, they're my cross to bear. Some of you have physical problems, you might say, that's my cross to bear. And it is a cross, but do you have a choice with those things? No, this is a cross you have a choice with. And this is the one he's talking about. And think about Jesus, when he carried his cross, what happened to Jesus when he carried the cross? They spit on him. They threw things at him, they cursed at him, they said all kind of derogatory things. He's walking with that cross and people are just letting them have it. So the idea of carrying your cross means you're going to suffer shame and persecution if you follow Jesus and it just happens. If you begin to do what Jesus asked you to do, there will be some people, not your close loved ones, now these are people outside the scope that will be upset. So Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount He was uh, talking about the Beatitudes, and the last two Beatitudes he gave us to two categories that a Christian that follows Jesus will be persecuted for. This is our cross, right? So here's the first one, Matthew 5.10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I like that both of these begin with blessed. Here's what happens. If you make a decision to follow Jesus no matter what comes at you, you're gonna be blessed. God's going to flood you with peace, life, freedom, purpose, and you'll have eternal blessings also. But let's talk about this first category. It's being persecuted for righteousness' sake. All that means is this, being persecuted because you begin to follow Jesus' moral code. The Bible has a different moral code than this culture that we live in. So when you find out what Jesus says, and you begin to live according to that moral code... You will be persecuted. I mean, sometimes they'll call you a hater because you believe this way and and the culture says that's not right. You shouldn't believe that way. And and I've noticed in my walk when I say, you know what, Jesus? I'm gonna walk according to that moral code. There is some persecution that comes with it. Here's the second reason that we're persecuted. The second thing, we have to have a mentality. I'm gonna pick up my cross, I don't care. I'm gonna follow him no matter what comes at me. Here's, Here's the second one. Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So Jesus is speaking. So he's saying you're persecuted because you follow Jesus. Now, I don't know. Most of you probably have noticed this. You can talk about God in any crowd. And you, 99% of the time, you'll never, ever have any pushback if you talk about God. Because when you say God, you use the name God. People fill in the blanks. It could be the tree that they worship in their backyard. It, it could be any God that they decide is God. So there's just zero pushback. But when you say Jesus, then there's pushback that comes. And you can't follow Jesus unless, you know, you're gonna talk about him at one time or another. People are gonna know you go to church at a church that talks about. It. They're gonna know you read your Bible. If you're following him, it's gonna get out. And he's just telling you guys, you'll be persecuted for that. But you know what? That's an incredible honor to be persecuted for Jesus' sake. It's amazing. It's like last week, I told a story about Lou came up to the gym. He filled out a membership. He paid for me to train him. And when all the transaction was done, I'd never met him in my life. He looked at me and said, Joe, Jesus loves you. And I went crazy. I said, are you one of those blankety blank Jesus freaks? I don't want to hear anything about Jesus. And I gave more blankety blanks. I wasn't demon-possessed, now some would argue that point, but I wasn't, I wasn't. Listen, there's a spirit of Antichrist in this world. There's gonna be a guy called Antichrist, but there's a spirit of Antichrist in this world. Good people don't even know there are be an influence, but if they're not a Christian, it will influence you. And I don't know why, but anytime anyone mentioned Jesus, it just angered me. I don't know why, but now I know why. It's that influence. So we live in a world... Where if you begin to follow Jesus, you begin to live by his moral code. You let someone know, hey, I I love Jesus. He saved my life. He's the Savior. He can save your life. You begin to just let people know that's persecution. So here's what Jesus is saying. That's your cross. That's the Bible cross. And you're carrying it. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes shame hurts. Rejection hurts. And sometimes you just want to throw that baby down and just say, you know what? I love you, Jesus. I know I'm going to heaven, but I'm not going to live that full blast life and then you stop following him and then he's not able to bless you and he's not able to do what he wants to do in your life That is absolutely amazing. So I think this is a good point. I think it's a great honor for Jesus to allow us to feel what he went through and allow us and trust us to follow him and pick up our cross. Can we thank God for the honor, thank Jesus for the honor, being able to follow him? We're doing something right when that comes. Now, here's the third one. I have, this is my toughest one, and it's just disciples prioritize Jesus. And all that means is you put Jesus first in your life. Here's how Jesus wrote it in Luke 14, Simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. Now, he's not telling you you can't have plans. He's not telling you you can't do certain things. But every now and then he's going to say to us, you know what, I'd rather you didn't do that. Or sometimes those things are going to become more important to us than Jesus. And he's saying, I just want to be number one in your life. And so as Pastor Joe, I'm constantly, maybe once a quarter, I'm seeing something in my life that's just getting a little bit above Jesus. And so I have to make an adjustment. Because if I don't, That's that's what the parable of the sower is talking about, the thorny soil. He said, these are Christians that the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things enter in, and the word of God is choked. That means they just are no longer followers. So all of us have to deal with this. We just have to reorganize our lives. So I'll share a a young story. When Gene and I first started Believers, we're newly married. Video games were archaic, but I just loved video games. And I would stay up to two or three in the morning playing video games. Gina would go to bed. She'd say, Salong, so buddy. And two, three in the morning. Now, thankfully, there was no internet, or I probably would have stayed on till five in the morning if I could play with other people. But I just had a couple games I absolutely loved. And so I just, this thing just got a hold of my life like crazy. And I'm playing and I'm playing. It's two o'clock, three o'clock. And then I was so tired I couldn't get up and do my devotions. I couldn't, didn't have time to read my Bible. I came to, to work, you know, but uh, I just was exhausted. I'd have to get up and drink three or four cups of coffee just to get up. And I'm just, I'm just consumed with this thing. And then God begins to deal with my life. Joe, uh, I don't care if you play these, but you're a little bit consumed, buddy. And he's just dealing with my life. You, you know, Can you do that a half hour a night or an hour a night? You just, you're taking up time that... I'm no longer first in your life. And things like that are constantly things that I'm dealing with. It's different for everyone in this room. I'm not giving you a list of what's good or bad. Um, I I really would love to play video games now, but I've become so slow at this age that I get killed every time I play. So it's my grandson destroys me. And so I don't even try anymore. So that's no longer an issue. But what's the issue for you? What what is it that keeps trying to creep in and just cause you to back off and be consumed with that and you're no longer following Jesus. It's different for all of us. So I I wanted to share what two modern day prophets have to say about the things of this earth because these are guys that have all the things you could ever have. I call them modern day prophets. And the first one is Jim Carrey. And Jim Carrey said this. This is him from Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Jim said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Here's a guy that has everything. More money than you and I could ever spend. More money than he could ever spend. Famous, successful, and he hasn't met Christ yet. He doesn't know the answer, but he said, nothing in this world satisfies you. So you and I have found Jesus, so we know he's the satisfaction. But now as Christians, it's so easy for this world to creep back in. And it's just good to know, hey, no matter what you have, nothing's gonna satisfy you. So keep Jesus first. That's all I'm saying, do everything you're doing, but keep him first. Here's the other prophet, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt said this, the emphasis now is on success and personal gain. I'm a guy who's got everything and I'm telling you, once you get everything, then you're left with just yourself. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It doesn't help you sleep better and you don't wake up any better because of it. I don't think Brad has met Christ, but here's one thing he knows. Nothing in this world will satisfy you. Nothing in this world will make you content. And I think, man, these are two guys that haven't had the privilege of meeting Jesus as far as I know, but they figured it out. Nothing in this world is going to satisfy you, so we wanna make sure we don't allow this world to consume us, and again, that doesn't mean you can't have fun, do things you like, but you just wanna make sure Jesus is always the priority, and these things just try to creep in. So here's a prayer that I pray on a regular basis, Psalm 90, verse 12, it just goes like this. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. So I pray this a lot, to say, God, show me where I'm out of order, show me what I need to readjust, and and just help me to put my life in priority. It's gonna be different for me because I'm Pastor Joe, so there's certain things you can do that I can't do, but all of us have to just make sure the priority is where the priority needs to be, which is following Christ. So those are three principles. Guys, we're challenged regularly. We're gonna pray about them in a moment. I just wanna encourage you about next weekend real quick. It's Easter, and it's the most highly uh, attended service of the year, and here's just a cool stat. 153 million unchurched men and women in the United States would attend an Easter service if they were invited. That's over half our nation. Half our nation is saying, it's Easter, I'm in America, I should go to church, but I don't even know what church to go to, and they're just trying to figure out what church should I go to, and they're probably doing searches on the internet, they're waiting for you, someone like us, to invite them. So we have these invite cards here in the lobbies, either lobby here, or the board in your main lobby, grab some invite cards. Here's one more stat, I think this one's fascinating. 86% of people say they started attending church because they were invited by a friend. Your invite's really powerful. That means 14% of people come to a church because of the marketing. 86% say, I came because someone invited me. Come, that's huge. So your invite's very powerful. So I, I wanna say this to our church and then also to Boardman. Boardman, you're adding a Saturday night for the first time on Easter. We're so excited about that. And we're excited about that also happening in the fall on a regular basis. 10.45 10.45 in either church on Easter is just... We run out of chairs. We're pulling new chairs in. So if anybody can come to 9 or 5 o'clock here, 6 o'clock in Boardman, if you can come to those services, uh, it just gives us more room for the people that are going to come automatically to this service. If you can't, don't feel any guilt. Don't walk in next week guilty because this is the service that works best for you. But if you can switch it out, if you can come to 9 or... Saturday night, it, it would give us just more and more room for the people that want to get in. So guys, we need to pray. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, I had done my best to teach this incredible thing called Mission Drift. Thank you for honoring us, loving us, respecting us enough to allow us to be disciples of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for opening up our hearts to Picking up our cross, prioritizing, and just living to please you. Jesus, we need your grace to do this. We can't do it with our own strength. So give us grace. Open up our eyes. Show us where we can grow. With heads bowed, eyes closed. There's some of you, God's dealing with you right now about pleasing Jesus above people, people you love. He's dealing with you about picking that cross up, having the mentality, I don't care. Follow Jesus. And in some of you, he's just dealing with hey, just shift some priorities in your life. Let's make a little more room for God, whatever that looks like for you. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm just encouraging you right now let God deal with your hearts. Let God grow you because He's the one that does. It's not about becoming a disciple of believers or Joe, it's about becoming a disciple of Jesus. Walk in the dust. Of Jesus, He'll change your lives forever. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're all praying. Maybe you walked in today, TCI Bourbon Warren. You weren't sure of your forever. You weren't sure if you were to die, if you'd go to heaven or to hell. That's why Jesus came. He's the Creator of the entire universe. He took upon Himself a human body. I think it's amazing. He He experienced 33 years of living on the earth. The Bible says He felt every infirmity, every weakness, every temptation that we do, but He never sinned. That made him the righteous, holy, worthy savior. He was God inside a human flesh. On Palm Sunday, which is this weekend, they wanted to crown him king. And he said, no, 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 I came to die. And then shortly thereafter, that Friday, they crucified him. But then he was raised up from the grave and Jesus is alive. And the Bible declares anyone that accepts him and calls on his name, he'll save them. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. This is about you and Jesus. What have you done with him? If you're ready to pray and accept him as Savior, I want to give you that opportunity right now. So with heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here and you say that's me, would you pray this prayer with me? The rest of us can we help them? Help them. Let's pray loud enough for them to hear us. If you're praying it for the first time, just mean it. And just say this. Say, God, I realize I was born a sinner. And I need a savior. And this day, I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for my sins. And I believe God raised you out of that grave. This day, I give my heart to you and accept you as my savior. Savior. Man, now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, guys. We prayed that prayer, miracles happen. You may not have felt anything. God washed all your sins away. God gave you the gift of eternal life. God became your father. Heaven's your future destination. Something else is happening. We can't see it, but it's happening right now. The Bible teaches us all of heaven is celebrating right now. If one person accepts Jesus.